There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in to the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. This podcast is being recorded on June 16th, 2021, the day after the two-day Dotem Golf Tournament in Jackson. As we stand here in the, or sit here in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios, um, you're a day removed from getting a chance to play golf with me and you mm-hmm. have to really kind of be in awe of what I am able to do on the course. Let's, let's talk about me for about an hour. You know, to, I don't want to sound like a lemming, but Tim, you are a very talented golfer. Wow. Clip that off and let's play it on the Ryan Kelly morning after. Now, to be fair, in a scramble, you really only see tee shots, approach shots, and putting. Short. Well, what, what do you see in normal rounds? Oh, you're talking you, about like chipping. Yeah, you see more. You see short game and a, and a stroke play, uh, you know, single players, uh, golf outing more so than you will just see in a, in a scramble. You'll see tee shots, approach, putting. Uh, so I, to be fair, I didn't see short game as much, but... So you're uh, suspicious of my short game. That's exactly what you're saying. No, I just don't have the uh, information. You're, well, I'll say that even your bad tee shots stay in play. They're, they're, you're not losing strokes in that sense. You know, you might throw one a little right, but it'll be fine. Most of the time it's going down the middle, and then your approach shot's in the green. So if you're getting on fairways and greens... You're a dangerous player. Well, we're we're scoring, and so there's a lot of buzz about me on the Champions Tour Mm -hmm. and playing at Norwood here in six years, uh, seven years. I don't know what the math needs to be on that, but uh, I'm excited. I haven't played Phil Mickelson. Uh, I have played in the Fan Page Club Championship, so I kind of have an idea of of what it's like to be in a pressure situation. Um, So, uh, no, I enjoyed the dotem, and I got a chance to play with you and play with Doug and play with Doug's son, who's a bomber. Indeed. Greg Vaughn's a bomber. Indeed. And on Monday, when you were playing with uh, some sponsors, uh, I was playing with my father, so that was super cool. Yeah. And we are freshly removed from the dotem, but because of the dotem, we are recording this on a Wednesday, whereas normally we've been recording this on Mondays. Mm-hmm. Last week's podcast, and this podcast is brought to you by six sponsors, um, com. Ryan Kelly, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Uh, we also have Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling, designairservice.com. Um, Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson of Munganess, St. Louis Acura.com, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, and Jim Rogers of Restoration One of Central St. Louis.com, who all make it possible. We usually record it on Monday. Today, we are, we are doing it on Wednesday, but last week's podcast, I was planning on going through all the emails, not all of them, but a large number. And then as we were doing it, the Ellie Kemper apology came out mm. and I went down a, I went down a path yeah. that I wasn't expecting to, because it just so happened that that came out mid podcast yeah. and it got, it got quite a bit of reaction. Um, and I wasn't sure what the reaction was going to be so much so to give people behind the scenes access to it. Um, I said to Jackson, I said, don't upload that yet because I don't know if I went, I went somewhere that maybe I shouldn't have gone. 
I didn't think I did, mm-hmm. but when I get fired up, I can go. Yeah. And, um, and I guess I didn't, but, uh, it's been it, a lot of people like this one right here. I have it at the top of the email list. Tim, listen to about the first half of this week's QFDA this morning so far. I have to say, I am so glad to hear someone with a platform express what I've been trying to get across for years now. The word privilege when discussing quote unquote white privilege really does a disservice to the black community when trying to explain the inherent advantages that white people have in current society. Like you said, the word privilege for most white people means affluence and being handed things maybe with little to no effort. So white people hear that and think, F you, I worked hard for what I have, and so did my parents. We weren't handed anything, and they shut down and don't fully understand what the black community is trying to convey. I'm not sure what the word is that's more appropriate. Advantage, preference, something that doesn't necessarily convey wealth. I have to think, like you, that most reasonable people can see that being white in the United States has led to more opportunity. It's just a fact when you look at everything from lending rates, wage history, incarceration rates, housing opportunities. I fully realize as a white male that it was easier for me to get ahead and build a reasonably comfortable life. White people who don't accept that are just living with blinders on. I will never apologize for being born who I am, but I will do everything I can to recognize and help eliminate injustices in society based on race, religion, sex, etc. I'm far, far more cognizant of those things now than I was even just 10 years ago. Thanks. That's from Mark in Utah. Now look at the podcast is making its way to Utah. Hell yeah. Jackson, anything in that email that you agree with, disagree with, feel strongly about, feel strongly against? Yeah, I just, from last week, you know, the difference of what, what when people talk about privilege and white privilege, it's not necessarily, yeah, you were given everything. It's, it's that's surface level. Like we need to dig deeper and like genera- generationally over time, like it is, a lot of things are easy for people based on the color of their skin. It's easier for white people that they may not even think about it. So to start making that, it's a, there's a difference, you know, and I think that's really important. And so to keep people in the conversation, you need to clear that up beforehand. Otherwise people hear white privilege or privilege and they immediately tune you out. And that's not conducive to the conversation. So one of the things we discussed on last week's podcast, when this, you know, really was not the plan for Mm -hmm. the podcast, and I would recommend people go back and and listen to it. I was proud of that podcast, but like I said, I went into an area that I didn't anticipate when we sat down to do it. I thought I was just going to be reading emails and like bullshitting about our normal random topics. Um, first off, it's great that it got the response that it did. I hoped that it did. I didn't know if I went somewhere and it was like, oh, like the whole thing was decent, except I said one thing. And I was like, oh, that just blew up the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But let's, we talked about the Missouri football. Um, I don't know what the right boycott for lack of a better yeah. term. Yeah. And one of the terms that they wanted the president of the university to say yeah. was stand up and apologize for, or acknowledge, I don't think it, apologize, acknowledge his white privilege. Uh And just for the sake of the discussion with what Mark represents here in his email, let's say this, acknowledge your advantage being born white. Uh And I think, again, this is what I was trying to do last week. If we, if, if I think if that is the conversation, I think it changes the tone of the conversation, not for everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some people who heard that email and were like, oh, this fucking guy, what does he have white guilt? I'm sure there were some people, not a lot. And again, I realize if you're listening to this podcast, it's different than like, 
if we were broadcasting on a network or a cable news outlet, mm-hmm. you know, this it, it's, you know, it's a specific audience. So I recognize that. But with that said, it's so much of it is about terminology and the terminology doesn't have malice, but the terminology has impact. And by that, I mean, white privilege carries for a good portion of, especially the white community, I believe, some connotation that that exists with affluence or laziness mm-hmm. um, or something that a lot of white people go, yeah, maybe, well, you know, some semblance of advantage for being white, sure. But like, we didn't have to work because we were white. That's bullshit. Now you're insulting my parents who I know did with it. So then that, that becomes a problem in the conversation. And then what happens when people don't agree? Well, then they, then they, they're like, well, then what the hell is this movement? This is saying something that's based that factually inaccurate. That Mm -hmm. is not true. And it does not apply to me and I'm not going to support it. But if the conversation would have been five plus years ago, no, what you, what we're trying to say is there is an advantage that you had just be being born white that we didn't have. I think, I think that the conversation is more productive which in a sense is good. And then another sense it's sad because I think a lot of people actually agree, but it's just the way that it was packaged that made it disagreeable. Yeah. Which goes back to what I said yesterday or last week, excuse me. If I sit here or if we took a poll or whatever the case might be of every American, and I realize of course this can't happen, but a sample size, whatever. If you have, I mean, at least 90% would say, is, is a white life as valuable as a black life? And is a black life as valuable as a white life? At least 90% are going to say, now it's sad that it's, that I used that barometer, which I said last week, are going to say yes. But then you said, then if I ask the question, do black lives matter? Then you're going to have the number drop in a substantial amount, not because people are going to say the black lives don't matter, but because they go, well, black lives, and then they're in the, well, it's Marxist and it's anti-nuclear family. And then it comes into, then it goes into a totally different discussion. And so I think it's the same kind of conversation I'm attempting to have here is that I think most white people would acknowledge as this gentleman emailed in and I have others that there is an advantage, so to speak, or better served. I think it would be their disadvantages. Take your pick of however you want to in an American society at this moment, although I think that that is decreasing over time, mm-hmm. uh, I think it would be odd to take the line that it's not, even though hatred is covered more than it was 50 years ago, 60 years ago, that that's a different conversation. And I think the conversation brings more people to the table as opposed to going, what fuck? My parents, my dad worked two jobs. My mom had to work. And a lot of times I was taking care of my little brother and my little sister. You're telling me I was privileged? fuck you. Mm-hmm. And so immediately it's like, what do you think you know about me? Because I was born white. I really think, I think at the core of a lot of the issue at the core of it, I mean, if we're stripping it away and really trying to get to the bottom of it, it's some of just the simple words that are used, yeah. you know, well, hold on a second. You're saying black lives matter. So you're saying what my life doesn't matter. No, that's not the, the whole point of the movement was not to say that it's to say that, Hey, we don't feel like we are being acknowledged when we die as much as when a white person does and our lives matter. And so it's a, it, it becomes like the marketing, so to speak of the yeah. conversation that throws it off. Yeah. So when the Ellie Kemper thing came out last week, that's what got me going on this topic. And that's why it's kind of a follow up to that. Now, Tim, just listen to the Ellie Kemper episode. I loved it and I could not agree more. I would love for you to take the next step with the issue, which in my opinion is why this is allowed 
in this example from Twitter, but I think all social media is participating in the fun and games in some way. My opinion is the entire foundation for cable news feeds off of this stuff. Cable news exists to piss people off and the politicians regulating this crap are benefiting from it and therefore not interested in doing anything about it. My hope is someone with all the mo- will my someone my hope is someone will the money and political probably with the money and political capital to handle the backlash will point out the nonsense just like you did with Ellie regards that's Matt and Eureka. Well, I think I think if you go into cable news thinking that you are getting news and thinking you're getting journalism, you've already lost. Yeah. Um, if you are um, going to um, certain kinds of businesses that exist only because a problem exists, it would be naive to think that the person operating or the corporation operating that business wants to see the problem go away. Because if the problem goes away, their business goes away. So... If you think restaurants really want to give you food that's healthy, um, if you think gyms or pills, whatever thing, and it really wants to get you in shape, um, t- take your pick. I, I recall watching, um, there was a, and I don't know why it was on ABC. It was kind of weird because usually these things would be on ESPN at this point or on demand. Like, I guess kind of a documentary on Mike Tyson. It was on ABC a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I guess it, they didn't think it was good enough for a 30 for 30, so it ran on ABC. Yeah. Um, but there's Mike Tyson, like addressing the media in the mid 1980s and there's Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, their, their business is for there to continue to be problems, you know, politicians and political commentators, Tucker Carlson's business model is for there continue to be problems. It's a problem if there isn't a problem for him for these people who make their money off of this. Uh, and so that is that is what I'm trying to uh, convey with these things, is that these 24-hour news cycles, these people who make money off of social media, they, want, they create things that aren't issues to get people angry. You are being manipulated. Yeah. I don't really feel like I'm saying anything. It's groundbreaking. I don't know. I, I'm thrilled that some people thought it was kind of bold for me to say it. But this stuff, from my standpoint, strikes me as rather obvious. You don't tune in to get positive information. You get, you go, oh my God, I can't believe the latest with take your pick of this. Uh, take your pick of that. Non-consequential wedge issue. That's the game. That's the game. And then it will feed into the psyche of whatever psyche you are in that the world is falling apart because of the other guy over there. That's the game. That's essentially the business model. That's the business model. And it's easy to do. And as I think I said a few weeks ago, Jackson, I said the newest way to do it is to act like you are on the left, but really you're on the right and then attack the left. Yeah. And then people go, see, he's on the left, but he said, or you act like you're on the right, but you're really on the left. And then you attack things on the right. Well, see, she's on the left. Yeah. And it's a pretty standard game. I don't know what the next play is. You can kind of, you know, see it coming. Um, and that's the game. And then people, then it all that, what does that do? It reaffirms confirmation bias. That's what's going on. Uh, I had I, yesterday at the golf tournament, as a matter of fact, somebody come up to me and talked about the Ellie Kemper episode which was last week's podcast where these emails are coming from. And it's like, I'm so glad you finally said, it. I'm like, well, I, I feel like I've been saying this kind of stuff for a while, but 
I guess we got into the actual n- nomenclature of it all, mm-hmm. which is words like privilege um, and how I, th- how I think a lot of people are tired of being called racist are being told that they are bad people when they know that they are not, but it doesn't matter what they say because they were just born with it. And that pisses people off. And I think something that to me strikes me as obvious, but maybe people aren't talking about because the issue gets caught up at a higher level, but at the, at the core of it, that's it. People don't like to be told that they're bad people or be told that they're dumb or be told that they're wrong. And that is essentially what the game is right now. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think gets people fired up. And that's why I think last week's podcast wound up resonating like it did. Want to tell you about the home loan expert, Ryan Kelly. He is who I've been working with refinancing and then also getting pre-approved. And with the home markets as competitive as they are right now, Make sure you get pre-approved. Otherwise, it's going to be so tough to get a home. Go online at thehomeloanexpert.com. He's the best in the business. He is Ryan Kelly. And Action Jackson, you're working with one of the best in the business, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. His number is 314-889-0503. 314-889-0503. Or go online at evergreenstl.com. He made a big donation um, to Three Little Birds for Life. Uh, for Iggy's fishing ep- expedition during the golf tournament. Uh, what do you like about Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies? You know, Tim, I had a conversation with Mark last week. We were just talking about some plans for some savings for me. And it was a 30-minute call. We probably talked about finances for about eight minutes. But we talked about everything else going on with our lives and our opinions on things for another 18, 20 minutes. And that's just because of how good a guy he is and how awesome he is to talk with. And it's not because, you know, he was neglecting my financial parts. He just has explained everything to me so well and laid it all out for me so well that now I have such a better understanding of my finances. He's like a teacher in that way. And it's so awesome. I look forward to talking with him on the show every Thursday and every time me and him talk uh, about my finances. Mark Hanna is the best in the business. He really is. If you don't have a guy to handle and help you with your finances, you need to call Mark Hanna. You need to do it now. Uh, His number is 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. 314-961-4800. Go online at carltoninsurance.net. I had Carlton Insurance following up with me today about my car accident from two months ago. They follow up with you. They find ways to save you money. They really are incredible. And I'm so happy I made the switch. It's James Carlton, 314-961-4800, located in the St. Louis area in Webster Groves, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. The great James Carlton. Make the switch, carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. Next question, next email. Uh, let's see, Tim, this is for your eyes only. I'm keeping this anonymous because there's a good chance I have a boss who listens to your podcast. Hi, Tim. (laughs) I just finished listening to your QFTA discussion on money and happiness, and it resonated with me a ton. I think about this issue literally on a daily basis. Some background. I'm in my late thirties with a wife and a young child with no plans for a second kid. My wife works for a large company with a very stable job that pays her right about a hundred K a year. I work as a salesman for a corporate company. I've been there for 15 years 
And uh, now, now, my, now my wondering is I'm reading this, if this is, oh, he's keeping it anonymous. Okay. I was like, okay, am I not supposed to be reading this on the podcast? But he said anonymous. He didn't, didn't say read it. And it's for, it's titled QFTA Money and Happiness. I work as a salesman for a corporate company. I've been there for 15 years now and typically make 150, 100 to 150 per year. My wife and I are not flashy people where we frivolously spend a bunch of money, where we both drive basic cars. We don't care about expensive material items. And we take a handful of domestic trips per year with plenty of years of saving and investing under our belt. And the only debt we have being our mortgage. If our household income remains at least 200 K per year, my wife and I should be able to retire at 50 and maintain the upper middle class lifestyle. We currently have who retires. I hear these things about retiring at 50 and then I never see anybody retiring at 50. Yeah. It's weird. I'm actually back to Mark Hanna. Mark Hanna says like people always talk about, Oh, I want to retire at 50. I want to retire at 50. So I'm just going to work as hard as I can till then. Mark's like, no work until work, do stuff that makes you happy while you're working. Don't wait until right. you retire to start being happy. Yeah. I, I'm so, I'm, I, I mean, listen, if you can do it and you're, I just, I wouldn't want to retire at 50. What would you do all day? I, I have no idea. I mean, you can only play golf. You play a golf every single day, but you know, you, well, there's got to be some semblance of fulfillment. Yeah. You, can't, you know, yeah. I, I just, I don't mean, but let, whatever. That's not what the email's about. And I'm getting sidetracked here, but I, but I do hear this and I'm just like, what, um, what are you doing? Yeah. But if you, but God bless you. I mean, to each their own, you know, I'm be, I just, I, my, my premise is this. I don't see it. Mm -hmm. I don't see it. That's what I'm saying. If you, somebody wants to do anything good for them. Um, let's see. This is a dream of mine. And I think about it literally every day. Uh, it consumes me. The thought of shutting it down at 50 and having the ability to do whatever I want with my time for the rest of my life is about as good as it gets in my mind. If I had to put a theme on the decades of my adult life, I previously thought it was this. 20s, figure out who I am. 30s, build the foundation. 40s, race to the finish line, meaning retirement. My God. I mean, listen, I'm not trying. I want to I be clear as I'm reading this. I'm not like judging at all. I'm just like, I'm in, I just view things from a totally different perspective, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't mean that somebody is right or wrong. Cause I fucking hate when people like start pontificating on how I handle things like, Oh, you shouldn't talk like that because you're married and you're a dad. No, I like to fuck and I'm really looking for threesomes and I think it's a wonderful thing. But if you don't like to fuck and you're not looking for threesomes, God bless you. I respect that. So I'm not like going, what are you doing? Wanting to retire. I get it. My premise is this. I just don't know people outside of those who played professional sports who retire at 50 and I'm going to be 45 in three months. And I'm like, well, shit, I guess it means the finish line's in five years. <laughs> and I, I know this, I'm not viewing it that way yeah. in any capacity. And I just don't know many who are, but if you can do it and that's what you really want to do, God bless. That's for sure. But as I get ready to enter my 40s, I think the new theme for that decade is, is the juice worth the squeeze? Despite my six-figure income, I have grown increasingly unhappy in my professional life over the last few years. I think the root of this unhappiness is the fact that the work I do is inherently um, selfish and doesn't help other people. My parents both worked in helping professions during their careers, and every single aptitude test for my entire life has said I should be working in a helping profession as well. That was my plan in college but I kind of fell into this sales job after college. I got good at it and it's what I've done for 15 years now because it has compensated me well. I don't really have any complaints about the culture of my company. I've established a track record. My bosses trust me and I'm not micromanaged, but the industry I work in has been in a slow decline for a few years now. The pandemic sped up the decline and my income's fallen to the low end of that 100 range. And there's no guarantee my income stays above 100 for the years moving forward. I've also been greatly impacted by my mom dying last year. She was in great health entering her 60s, but soon after, she was diagnosed with cancer and passed away several months later. 
taking all this into account, I'm increasingly feeling a tug at my gut that the career I currently have is not what I'm meant to be doing. I feel unfulfilled because other than being a father, I'm not doing anything in my life to help other people, but I'm continuing on with my job mainly for two reasons. Number one, I'm at a company where I'm comfortable in the environment and my bosses treat me well, and I don't have a viable backup plan or anything that stands out to me as an ideal alternative to jump to. I would imagine my resume could get me hired at a lot of places, but my fear is I'll end up at a place where that unhappiness persists and I'll have lost that comfortable environment and bosses that treat me well. Number two, I'm still making over 100K a year at my current job, and if I continue to do that, I'll be able to reach that goal of retiring at 50. But is the juice worth the squeeze? I feel like I'd be sacrificing my professional satisfaction in my 40s by betting on the hope that I'm going to live long enough where retiring at 50 will be worth it. And as I just saw with my mom, there are no guarantees with that. I guess I don't really have a question here other than what would you do in my situation? But I know that's not a fair question to ask because every person is different. I've been thinking lately that transitioning to a sales job where the product or service I sell legitimately helps other people may be the right answer. Maybe if I did that, I wouldn't be so consumed with retiring at 50 because I'd be fulfilled with my professional life. The problem is I don't know what the job would be. Anyways, thank you for reading, and I appreciate any insight you want to provide. Stay cute. That's from Esteban Yan. Esteban Yan, of course, a wonderful professional athlete and a uh, relief pitcher with the Cardinals in 2003 when you were four, Jackson. (laughs) Well, I want to take this one really seriously because um, I can tell when somebody's really coming to me with a question because I know when I come to people that I really want them to go into the tank. I did this with somebody a few weeks ago in a conversation and this person, and this person might listen to the podcast. And I just thought we we're kind of going to bullshit about the situation and the various options. And I mean, this guy dug deep. And he's brilliant, too, on top of it. So it wasn't just like, you know, when when it's not like we were sitting there drinking and just, it wasn't, I mean, holy, I couldn't believe it. I mean, and he doesn't need to be. So when somebody comes to me with something like this, I can tell, you know, with the detail that was given, this person's really in the tank. I think one thing I take away from this is this. He hates his job. That's what I think. Mm -hmm. Because if you like your job, like I do TMA for another 20 years. Yeah. And I wouldn't even think twice about it. No because I love doing it. Mm-hmm. But if you hate your job, then you're going, I just want to get to retirement. Yeah. So I don't care. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't care. I mean, I look forward to doing my, I've taken, it is June. What are we on? June 15th, 16th, 16th. And I've missed one show this year. Yeah. That, and that, and I really didn't even need to, we wind up not, we wound up not traveling. Um, and I'm not like, my God, I need a vacation. Cause I love doing it. Yeah. So to me, and this is really, this, is, this isn't this is specific to the, the person who emailed in, but talking to people in, in your age range, Jackson, and, and younger, so much of finding, I don't know, happiness is, it's almost too vague, but fulfillment or whatever word you can use for not lying in bed on Sunday night and dreading the next five days, whatever word that is, I don't know what it is. I mean, it could be as simple as enjoying your job as a phrase, but whatever that is, that is one of the keys to happiness in life, in my opinion, from kind of having done it in the first half of my career. You cannot put a dollar value on that. You cannot put a dollar value on it. It is so important. And so there has never, ever been a moment in my life where I have thought, God, I can't wait till retirement ever. Why? Because I like what I do. Yeah. Now, I realize what we do is different than what most people do who have real jobs. So I have to take that out of the equation. I mean, we fuck off, we laugh, and we love doing it. Yep. 
And there are things that are that can be, you know, negatives. Don't get me wrong, but we navigate around them and and we we continue on. But I'm not sitting there going, oh my god, I can't handle this. I got to retire soon. So I feel like that helps us. It's almost like we're doing doing the math and the and the algebra here and showing our work. So to show the work, I feel like the answer is, and I'm just going to say it because most people, when somebody comes to you for advice, the one thing they don't want to do is tell you to do something drastic because then they feel like you got blood on your hands. But I'm telling you, you asked, you emailed me, you got to switch jobs, man. That's it. That's the issue. To me, that's the issue. Retiring at 50, I mean, I'm only answering because you asked. I wouldn't opine if you didn't ask, but to me, retiring at 50 I mean, 50 is, 50 is 50. And when you're 23, I would imagine 50 seems old, right? Yeah. 20, I mean, that's double my life span. Right. I've yeah. already been that. I mean, I, 50 to me was like, you know, like you didn't even think about it. That's why I fucked up my, I didn't fuck up my finances. I just wasn't as responsible. I should have been because it's like, yeah, and by the time you hit 65, I'm like 65. That's never even going to fucking come close, you know? And then all of a sudden you're 44 and you go, shit, 65 is closer now than it was. So you've got to, if that is making you miserable, you've got to, switch careers um that is that's to me the core issue on this thing mm-hmm. i have said this a few times i guess it's probably why the, i don't recall the last the, the podcast that, that that leads to this money and happiness email but i know i've talked about it a lot and i've talked with a lot of people and i think this is one of the things with like the florida thing where you know i was asking like my friends who have moved there I go, hey, you know, people talk about the weather and they're like, yeah, there's people who haven't lived here. And I go, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I go, what do you mean? And they go, you've lived in St. Louis all your life. It's hotter in St. Louis than it is here in the summer. And I go, you serious? And they go, yeah. And I go, you sh-? I think well, we've lived here for like, you know, one's yeah. 10 years and one's like almost 20 now. And I go, there's always a breeze because you're by the ocean mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and it rains every day, like at three or four o'clock, but it rains for like 15 minutes and then that cools things down. So yes, it does reach 90 something degrees, but it's like, that's as hot as it is on the thermometer. You're not going to necessarily feel that. Whereas in St. Louis, it can just be 90 or 95 with humidity and there's no wind. So it feels like a motherfucker. So this thing about the weather is just from people who just like, don't want you to move or they just don't know, or they visited Disney world once and it was hot, whatever. Yeah. It's a different deal if you're living, you know, whether it be on the Gulf side or the Atlantic side. Yeah. Although I was told the Gulf side is a little hotter because the wind doesn't blow yeah. off the ocean, yeah. whereas it blows off the ocean yeah. on, the, on the Atlantic well, side. Yeah, that's the thing. But I will say about the rain, I think it gets hotter after the I rain. I was about to say, I would think the humidity. <laughs> so, so either way, so with that, and then I, and then I said, okay, what else? And I said, I'm looking for downsides. I need downsides. <laughs> I, I got the upside. I'm, I'm well aware of the upside. And they're yeah. like, I don't really, I don't, hurricane season, I guess, you know, that, that's what everybody kind of goes to. And I go, so what's the deal? Then why, why don't more people do it? And I realized like you could do it. Mm. I'm not saying you would or could, I'm just saying, but usually it's people already have kids. And so they're kind of, and I get it. Like if I had a 10 year old, I wouldn't be. Um, and so because people are just happier here. And, and then I start digging into it more and then more people are just like, yeah, I would rather make less money and live here then make more money and live somewhere where I'm not in the climate that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And to me, for me, for me individually, with this gentleman emailing in, for me, I will take less money and happiness over more money and going, I got to fucking get done with this because it's miserable. 
I just think I, I feel, and honestly, I read this and this email makes me sad because I'm just like, this, this guy's like looking for a way out, but has set a goal that I don't necessarily, th I think you're going to get to 50 and maybe you can retire and go, fuck, I didn't want this. Yeah. And you're going to be sitting there going, and what the hell did I do with myself? Yeah. And I feel badly, um, about that. So I don't know what to say. I don't know this retirement at 50 thing. I don't really, I just don't know anybody who's retired. I remember talking to Jim Edmonds one time. He was talking about a former teammate and just like how miserable the person was. And I go, what's the problem? And he goes, he's just fucking bored. And he goes, people don't realize it and nobody wants to hear it and we can't say it. But most of us are done, you know, by our mid thirties, but we don't need to work. And so you can't say that because then people are like, well, fuck you. You have a bunch of money and people, you know, of course, hate on people with money, but we'll oftentimes vote for them and follow them blindly. Mm. But, but they don't want to hear about like a problem with boredom. And so it lead, it can lead to some semblance of depression because you're also kind of on an island and you can only talk to people who have had that experience and yeah. you're talking about 0.001% of the population. Yeah. Premise being for the purpose of this email is that it, if you're at 50, which is still, I mean, I mean, mathematically you're two thirds of the way through your life as an American male. Yeah. You have a third of your life to go. I just don't, I don't know. I mean, I can't speak on that. I, I just don't think it's a goal. That's really that great. Unless you fucking hate your job and you look like you're doing, you feel like you're doing time. Mm. And so that is why, my my core issue with trying to counsel you is that I think the goal is leading to unhappiness. And so we need to unpack all of that and get you away from the source of your unhappiness, which is your job. But you're putting up with your job because you think that you're going to be happy when you get to 50 because you'll be retired. And that's a full decade away. That's fucking miserable. To me, that's miserable. Mm -hmm. And also... You know, I would think that you can go make, and maybe if your benchmark for pride's sake or any other reason is 100K, okay, but I'm sure you can go and make, I mean, if you're making, you know, you were making 150, you've got to have some marketable job skills that you can go and maybe you won't make 100, but you'll make 90. And in the whole scheme of things, we're talking about a difference of $400 a month, or excuse me, $800 a month. And I don't think that's going to make you or break you if you're on the, the verge of retiring, yeah. you know, in a decade. Yeah. So, Anytime somebody brings something like this to me, I am going to advise choose happiness because I really don't know what else there is. But I'm but I, I always am going to add this contingency of some sort. It's a balance. The balance is responsibility and happiness. Responsibility, it's not just all out happiness. But I, I swear to you, Jackson, and it's been I feel like it's been over the last few months, so it has to be a byproduct of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And it's not just people who are older, although it's certainly at a higher rate with people who are older. What happened with the pandemic is a lot of people, and it kind of sucks for me, I suppose, but a lot of people are now thinking the way I've been thinking on this podcast for a number of years, which is essentially the following. If I have, and people don't like to hear this kind of conversation, but if I have, mathematically, I have 30 years left, mathematically. Now, maybe I'll have more, maybe I'll be gone in the next hour. But mathematically, on average, I have about 30 years left. You have 50 plus. Mm -hmm. And if something that I personally don't like is half of the year, which is bad cold weather, I don't like it. Some people like it. Mm -hmm. Mark Hannon and I have talked. He like likes the winter. God bless him to yeah, each their own. Some people hate it. the hot. I mean, whatever. I'm not saying it. 
But the premise, then why, why do it if you don't need to do it? And you can't responsibly not experience it. Why would you want that? Or if you hate the hot weather, go somewhere where it's cold and then you can experience that. Yeah. And it's not as simple as weather. It can be like a career. If you hate your fucking job, that doesn't mean you quit. That means you work to find your 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 new job yeah. while you're making money. Don't just quit because then now you're now you're you're going to fulfill the happiness portion by not having the thing that you don't like. But now you've hurt the responsibility portion of the balance yeah. by by not bringing in income, whether it be for you as an individual or you as a, as the head of household. So that to me is the the balance on it. But I hate to hear. And I, I felt that this I felt for a long time. This goes back to like our nine twenty days. I hate to hear when people are unhappy, or like I recall, like people saying, "You know, if I really owe it to you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave you." And I'd go, "You have, you don't. What am I like a fucking mob boss? <laughs> if you're not happy, or you can go make more money, go. Yeah. And I have a right to try to match it, but maybe I can't afford it, or I deep down just don't think you're worth it, and mm -hmm. I can't fucking do anything about it. And that's not personal. This is just math. Yeah. So it works both ways, but you don't have to be unhappy. And I know that may sound like, no, no, you do have to be unhappy. But I think one of the greatest reveals is like, it doesn't have to be miserable. And I don't know if that's a, you know, something that I know this isn't you as a, as a gentleman of Jewish faith, mm -hmm. and I'm not necessarily practicing Catholic by any means, but people that what gets associated with is Catholic guilt. Mm. And I don't know where that all comes from, but like the way I was raised, not to say that you're beating yourself up, but that it, it, it there always has to be some kind of pain pleasure quotient of some caliber. And it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to sit in December inside looking at gray sky and freezing rain and snow and being like, well, only four more months and then we'll be able to go outside again. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to live somewhere. You don't have to work somewhere. You don't have to be with somebody. And all those things make you happy or one of those things make you unhappy. Excuse me. What the fuck? And so I think, I think arriving at kind of my, my formal conclusion to the thesis is what happened with the pandemic, even if you're only 23 or even if you're only 44 and you're not in your 70s and exposed to potential real health ramifications from it people go, shit, it could just be taken away. Mm -hmm. And I think especially people in the Northeast where it did shut down, especially in New York, where it did shut down, they're going, I'm not, I now know that can happen and I'm never going through that again. Mm -hmm. So fuck it, I'm out. And I think that's why you're seeing this exodus from the Northeast. I, I know taxes are playing a role in it too. And then take your pick of whatever political avenue you want to go down with the conversation. But I do think that that is at the core of it. Uh, and I think it will continue, which is why from a real estate standpoint in certain parts of the country, not limited to Florida, um, you are going to see it continue to go that direction. Specific to this conversation, I have my answer asked to Bond is you got to leave. Now, you don't leave now. You find your new job and then you leave because you have a wife and you have a, a child. So you're not just in a spot where you're taking care of yourself. Your wife makes good money. I'm sure you guys could survive a few months if you did just go, okay, fuck it, I got to quit. I'm telling you. I would bet, I wish I could bet, and I don't even know the situation, I don't know the company outside of what you've sent me, that you will be so much happier once you do that, you'll be going, why the fuck didn't I do it sooner? And you won't even be thinking about, I got to retire at 50, because you go, oh, going into work doesn't have to be miserable. Yeah, exactly. And then to me, that's, that, that, that is at the centerpiece of it. I've, all, I've told the story a thousand times, I was watching a Notre Dame press conference and shit, Lou Holtz was still the coach, so probably the early 1990s. 
And I remember him saying, the key to life is finding something you love and finding somebody dumb enough to pay you to do it. That's it. And I, and, and there are certainly other keys, but that is one, I whatever reason I happened to watch that press conference. And that is, that's what put me on my path of doing something that really no guidance counselor would ever advise anybody to do, but that is, that's what happened. And so you come to me with something like that. That's where I'm going to go with it all day long too, man. Because to me, the core issue here is you are miserable in your job. And maybe it's a pride issue that you got to make at least six figures because it really financially, you know, you're living in St. Louis, I believe. You don't need to be making $200,000 a year, especially if you're living responsibly and you're not flashing like the real housewives of Ledoux, you know. Cam Jansen's just walked in and we're sideways with him. Jackson, you got to go fight him now for me. (laughs) <laughs> Look at that. Boy, that is intimidating. I got my dukes up. I got to tell you something. I know I'm, you're probably... How much do you... I'm going to guess you weigh a buck... 81. Yeah, yeah. Buck. Is that exactly right? It's I, like, I should be like the the, the lady with the, the antlers at, it, at this it, carnival. It goes between like a buck 80 to a buck 88. Wow. Fluctuate. Weekends are around buck so I'm So I'm giving you 20 pounds and what? Like probably... What are you? Six one two? Six one. yeah. Okay. So you're a full foot taller than me. <laughs> And 20 pounds heavier. But based on what, how you just flexed at Cam, I think I might. And I'm 20 years older than you. I think I might be able to take you. No, Cam I, just walked away and shook his head. He was, he, was, he was disgusted by what he saw. I told here. you, I fight dirty. <laughs> you go, you're the dirtiest man in the building, yeah. Ric Flair. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, hey, Design Air Heating and Cooling is online at designairservice.com. Uh, the great Seth Goldcamp and Design Air Heating and Cooling. The forecast has us a day, um, a day of 100 degrees in the forecast. I mean, you got to make sure that you have your air conditioning working. They got this new 16 seer train unit at uh, Design Air Heating and Cooling. Go online at designairservice.com, the official HVAC provider, the Tim McKernan Show, and the Ryan Kelly Morning After. And don't forget about Jim Rogers of Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. That's Jim Rogers of Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. Uh, any water damage to your home, any fire damage to your home, they come out there and they clean it up. You do not want mold in your home. That will lead to all hell breaking loose. 314-565-1962. 314-565-1962. It's Jim Rogers. Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. And then Munganass, StLouisAccurate.com and AltonToyota.com. The uh, the car I'm driving now, a 2022 MDX, I am in love with. I liked what I got from them. I like this better, Jackson. Mm-hmm. I would recommend it. Doug is driving an RDX. Uh, when Iggy's car breaks down every week, he gets a different car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they fix it so they've had nice service, too. It's stlouisaccurate.com, altontoyota.com, Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson, your points of contact there. Mungana, stlouisaccurate.com, altontoyota.com. All right. This is an abbreviated version of questions from the audience as we were doing it on Wednesday and not our standard Monday. We were back at it with more hardcore. I got through three emails, though. And I don't want to say I got through them. Like, I didn't want to do them. But uh, at least I did these and to get distracted by something and go on some kind of fucking bizarro world rant. But you're always welcome to email in. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. It is the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Peloton, let's go. This holiday... With the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. 
Peloton, motivation that moves you.